My name is nobody. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The X-Files, a show where a handful of heroes reread every single Animorphs book in order. And I'm joined by the most wanted criminal this side of the Andalite homeworld. It's Vivian. I put the coffee cup underneath the coffee maker this time, unlike last week. Hey! <laughs> Progress. And we're also joined by the most elegant Estrine on Earth. It's Kate. Hi! I also put the coffee cup underneath the coffee maker. <laughs> well, you didn't fuck it up last week like I did. <laughs> I might have at some point during the week. Ah, uh, fair. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not drinking coffee at all. I'm just mainlining Mountain Dew. <sighs> just getting that, getting that straight... That straight Mountain Dew gamer fuel I- IV straight into your veins. Well, sure. While All wearing, day, every day. While wearing your, you also gotta wear your cat ear headphones in order to be a true gamer. I mean, the game yeah, I am doing that. Are you not aware of what I wear when I record the show? <laughs> no, I actually didn't know you actually had like legit cat ear headphones. <laughs> oh goodness, yeah, it's uh, they, they light up and everything. Do you, do you also have a gamer chair? Uh, that, no, but that is because I find them hideously uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I always feel I always feel like I hear that in particular about those chairs, is that they actually suck. <laughs> if they had, I don't know, like, I, I don't understand why that would be. Why, why would you go to all trouble to make a chair that really just kind of looks cool, but then don't make it comfortable? <laughs> I mean, that's just what a lot of companies do. Like, they design for, like, appearance and aesthetic rather than actual function, right? Well, I think at that's least true. part of it is that just, like, you buy a quote-unquote gamer chair and you're getting something pretty crap unless you spend, like, 600-plus dollars, and I'm not going to do that, so... <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what makes it a gamer chair. Like, it, it's a chair. You can sit in it. Does it have any other functions? Well, supposedly that are... they're ergonomically designed so you can sit in them for a long period of time without sustaining spinal damage. But they're clearly not because they're horribly uncomfortable. So you, you just gotta get big flame decal stickers to put on the side of your chair, and that makes it better. If they had surround sound speakers inside of them, I'd understand. Yeah. If they had like some additional peripheries, like inside of the chair, it would be stupid, but it would make sense. Well, yeah, I mean, like I say, I think it's a matter of degrees, because my partner has a chair, one of the big fancy uh, secret lab chairs, and those are ridiculously expensive, but it's also a thing that she spends eight plus hours a day in, because she works from home, so. Yeah, no, for me, like, because of how my back is dumb, I, it's weird, because I don't actually, most people, it's lumbar support, right? They want the lower back support, mm-hmm. I need my upper back support in. Uh, and there's very few chairs that do that. Yeah, this one does. It's ridiculous. I'm going to see if I can find a link for it. Then you should send that to me when we're done with this, because we have a podcast to record. Yes, indeed. Uh, this is a week, huh? We're going to finish another book. <laughs> yes! Yeah. We're making progress, considering that we're done with four books of, like, 68. <laughs> it's only 64. One step at a time. Uh, one step at a time. Uh, still, okay. Yeah, four done, 60 more to go. We're, we're already a measurable percentage of the way through it. No worries. 
<sighs> that actually is that math. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, we're a 16 for the way done. Yeah, see? That's like, no worries. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I gotta stop doing this to myself. I gotta stop thinking about it like that. <laughs> I mean, yes, that would probably be good for everyone involved, is to not think about things <laughs> like that. Not to constantly remind myself that I'm going to be, like, 40 by the time we finish this. Yeah. Um, okay. Either way, uh, I will go ahead and jump in with Chapter 19, which I have called Cassie Finally Learns What the Yerks Do. <laughs> um, so we open with Axe talking about trees he's basically showing them around and pointing them pointing out the uh the, the natural the the, the, the the what do you call it the plant life that inhabits this dome that he's in and so he's talking about derishul trees and then he mentions that they have something called enos ermarf which is to say the way a lake specifically curves into the grass framed by trees has a word for it they're very aesthetic based in their culture and I don't super know why they have a language exactly when they have this thought communication thing, but they do, I, and it's very... I brought this up I brought this up in our first episode. It's stupid. Yeah. It shouldn't... <laughs> but... uh, like, unless they had a language, like, they spoke with sound at some point in their past, but... I guess that might explain why they've got, like, mouth slits, even though they don't eat from there. But we that, that doesn't make any sense either, because I think in the Hork-Bajir Chronicles, we encounter some other animals that are related to Andalites from their homeworld, and they also don't have mouths. So, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, so that we can have a language, I guess, so that we can have words and names for them, <laughs> instead of... It's it's one of the things that really bothers me because I love and I love the Andalite like culture mm-hmm. and and how they're set up so much, but this whole like we have a language and yet we like is based on phonemes that human mouths happen to be able to produce even though we don't have mouths that can produce them. <laughs> it's I, I just I, I find it hard to get past. I, uh, I did a project several years ago where I was commissioned to design a constructed language for a comic book to be used. Uh, the, the idea was that it was supposed to be a language spoken by this pair of telepathic twins. And it was very frustrating to me because the author wanted it to be, like, real phonemic language. And I didn't want that <laughs> because... Yeah. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Yep. Why would you do that? In the end, what we ended up doing is because it was a comic book project. So he finally agreed to let me do it in such a way that the phonemic language was it didn't use punctuation or anything it was all color based to indicate that this type of speech and even that was almost too much for him but it was what i could get away with <laughs> it's i don't know i i don't want to like rag on it too much because i i do still like the end lights and how they're set up in this book in these books um and how their culture is explored. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool, and I think it's it's like well thought out. It's just the language thing doesn't make yeah. any sense. Like I really enjoy the fact that their quote unquote language is based on specific interactions between natural formations, and like he mentions that they've got ways for each of 
words for each of the ways the suns and moons hang in the sky and cast their light. Mm -hmm. And that is a really fascinating aspect that we are not going to explore anywhere near enough, in my opinion. But also, why do they have words for those? (laughs) Yeah, my only thought is like, there's some kind of sound-based system, and maybe when humans process it, they process it differently or according to what they're expecting, which is language. But I don't know. Well, I'll I'll bring this up again later when we get to my chapters. Um, but. It, it just the way that they, they handle that it, it I guess it's for convenience honestly and it's a necessary convenience yeah. but it's I, weird I just thought of this because um, I know that people I, I believe it was on an episode of um, actually over on uh, dropout.tv that I heard that the Yurks were also a little bit in, like named slash inspired after the orcs from Lord of the Rings were were the Andalites also inspired a little bit by the elves of Lord of the Rings or something just in terms of them being like this, like, otherworldly species that has, like, terms for stuff like this that a lot of other people are like, eh, jerk. I'm not aware Pro- of that, probably. but it wouldn't surprise I think... me. I mentioned that in the first episode. Um, oh, that was the... that the case? Yeah, <laughs> that, that the, well, no, that the, the Yurks are, are named after, or are, are, like, the word Yurk comes from it, the Elvish from word for orc. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, okay, gotcha. Because yeah. I, I, I remember I also, I thought that it was just like, oh, is it just literally, like, a version of Jerk, but with, like, a little, like, spin on the J or something. It, I am not entirely certain. Is Yurk an Andalite word? I'm pretty sure Yurk is a Yurk word. <laughs> Because okay, they do cause... have their own Yurk language. I thought that you said they didn't. Well, but... that's the hard part, right? So in their natural state, they do not have a language. They cannot communicate. But when they gain hosts, suddenly they've got Yurk speak. And it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I guess, well, it could be based on like the language of, of their original hosts who we'll meet later, much, much, much later in the series. Um... But then again, their original hosts don't really have the mental capacity for Yeah, I'm pretty language, sure those so. original hosts don't have a language either. <laughs> well, they would have... Uh, Yurks would have to figure out a way to communicate when they're inside the Geds anyway, yeah. so... Uh, yeah, I, I, I have also heard of the Ged also from um, Actually. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I think I think it was actually like a different like brain slug equivalent uh, trivia question that was like actually the Ged are from Animorphs. Yeah, the <laughs> Geds do yeah. not have spoken language because their mouths are too hard to control. Like they they can't make appropriate phoneme sounds apparently. Gotcha. I just, yeah. I also like that I could just Google what was the inspiration for the Andalites and like in the others want to know one of them is what is the name of the alien in Animorphs and it's like I think you need to be a little bit more specific. <laughs> yeah, you know which one, which uh, which one of those? Yeah. Uh, so the so when I open it, it says kids Rachel, Cassie, Marco, Jake, and Tobias along with their alien friend. I forget how to pronounce that kid's full name, but Maximili Escaruth is still. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look, you've had more <laughs> We literally met Axe last weekend. But it's like, yeah, it doesn't specify. I, I guess they're implying the name of the alien is Axe in this Google question. But like at the same time, there's so many more aliens. <laughs> I feel like you need to specify. There's a lot. And there will be a lot more. You know what? I just realized there is a reason for Andalites to have a spoken language. And it's a stupid reason. Oh. But there is a reason. <laughs> what is it? It's because... As we've seen when Visser 3 talks to Chapman, 
Their long-range communications don't transmit thought speak. They turn it into audio. I guess that makes sense, but even then, why would their audio language be based on sounds humans can make when they don't have mouths? Like, Look, he's just using a very specific version of Google Translate to translate his thought speech into spoken words. Like, you see this all the time in cosmic horror. You see, like, languages that cannot be properly replicated by human mouths, and yet... Andalites have a language that can be, even though they don't speak it with their mouth. Because <laughs> they don't have mouths. <laughs> okay. Um. I think I think you could argue that Andalites do have mouths, but I'm not going to right now, because that would be a spoiler. Uh, that, that's just making me think they eat with their butthole. <laughs> you're, you're saying they have a mouth of some kind. I'm just thinking it's the butthole. You're about... 50% of the way there. I think I think you're like you're more right than you have been. You're still wrong. I, I'm more, more right, right than wrong technically, I guess in that regard. No, no, you're you're still wrong. Uh, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> I I mean the other title suggesting could just be the butthole, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, yes. So anyway, X explains all this and Rachel very quietly indicates to Cassie that she finds this alien cute, and uh, Cassie doesn't agree, which is interesting. She She's a little scared of Axe, so that's fun. But uh, at this point, Axe explains that they don't really have buildings or anything. They just kind of live out in the fields, which must be interesting when you're developing a space program, but yeah. Well, I guess that's why they specifically take fields with them. Well, I'm sure it is. I just, like, I can't imagine the delicate work involved in assembling a spaceship and doing it just, like, in a field. <laughs> if I if I had a nickel for every time a blonde a blonde girl ends up on an Andalite ship and immediately becomes attracted to an Andalite, I'd have two nickels. It's <laughs> weird that it happens twice. <laughs> oh, wait, we'll get, but, we'll get to the second time was... later. But it was Jake who was on the other one. Yeah, no, no. no There's another. No, late... There's another one that happens later. Oh, it's, okay. It's, yeah. Okay. I, I was thinking of. I, I thought you were referring to currently where we are at in the book series, not just no. in general. <laughs> no. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> X does kind look, of imply. That... Look, Rachel is Rachel is just open-minded. She's she's open to all sorts. <laughs> yeah. She she like so far people she's expressed interest in a, a bird. bird and, and an alien. And a yeah, birds and psionic space deer. And her cousin. Those are yeah. what does it for her. She's only said that her cousin is, like, <laughs> a, like conventionally hot. Like, she hasn't <laughs> said that she wants to bone Jake. <laughs> also, to be fair, that was more Jake saying that Rachel was hot. Man, we get a little bit of... Com we get a little nod to that in the Rachel book, but it's way more comes from Jake, which is weirder. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's... Again, I explained my reasoning for why that had to... That yeah. had who else could have said it? Who else could? I guess I guess someone else wait, in the wait, story they, could have. Do the like, Tobias. Do the Tobias book. Let Tobias say they're both high. <laughs> Let Tobias be by. But, but each book needs to be self-contained. We need a complete characterization for each of the characters. Yeah. And Rachel is pretty. Is something that we hear in every single book. Yep, it surely <laughs> is. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, so Axe here mentions that 
that's why they take the domes with them, is because this is where they live. But he also kind of implies that a big part of the reason they do that is just to piss off the Yerks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because uh, they hate everything that is green and growing. They, they want to burn every world and make it barren as their own. Which, I guess, sure, but it really feels like you're wasting a lot of the point of invading all over the place if you're just going to make every world exactly the same. Like... Come on. It's kind of like how it's also kind of like how the A and M fight song is all about how much UT sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't you can't just you can't just design your spaceship around pissing off your enemy. <laughs> like part of it has to be for you, and I think it is because Andalites would not do well in a cramped spaceship where they don't have room to like run around. No, and absolutely. Shit, they like like to run around and shit, but like it. <laughs> This can't be your whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, see, it turns out that Yurks apparently terraform every planet they invade and turn it into basically exactly the Yurk homeworld. They just barely leave enough plants and animals alive to keep their hosts fed. And everything else gets burnt. Which, again, I don't know. Seems kind of pointless, IMO. But either way... Well, it depends on what they want to do with the planet. Like, are they going to fucking pave it and turn turn it into a parking complex planet, or like just like an or an enormous um, like breeding facility for their hosts? Then they'd probably want to like eliminate all of the you know important parts of the planet that are necessary for its continued. You know, they probably would start a mass extinction. I mean, I guess um, I just don't see a lot of like I don't see an end goal here. Because supposedly the Yerks just want to find hosts so that they can live without having to be stuck in the pools, but what comes after that? What's the point? And if you're just blowing up every planet along the way, turning it into Hell World, then, like, sure, you control the galaxy, and great job, you've got a whole bunch of Hell Worlds now. What are you going to do with it? Well, and now you have found the inherent problem with authoritarian empires. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like this isn't an issue that we have run into on this planet as human beings. So, <laughs> like, yeah, what's the point of going around and conquering uh, all of, like, like, half of Europe and Asia, Alexander the Great, if you're just gonna die in battle? <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it, it's just, yeah, it's all, it's all, po- it's all great, pointless. The are different. <laughs> It's all pointless grasping bullshit, and it always has been, and that's what empires are. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this this really affects Cassie. I guess until this point, she was just kind of assuming that the humans would get got, and all the animals and plants would be left alone. <laughs> uh, she straight up accuses Axe of lying because he doesn't like Yerks. So <laughs> it's it's a lot, but it's not. And I will say this: it's not an undue accusation this is a this is like a complex series and the andalites are not perfect oh yeah uh i don't think it's spoiler to say the andalites will not be like as we go on we will learn more about how the andalites are not perfect and there is propaganda here it might be warranted and it might be accurate but it there's they're still subject to the they're still subject to propaganda you know what i mean yeah like like case in point the way axe describes them is 
The Urks are killers of worlds, murderers of all life, hated and feared throughout the galaxy. <laughs> they are a plague that spreads yeah. from world to world, leaving nothing but desolation and slavery and misery in their wake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What? I mean, there's there's no accounting for the idea that Urks could be redeemed in any way. Mm-hmm. And I understand that opinion because of the you know basic facts of Yurk biology but it's a really really heavy thing to put on an entire species mm-hmm. like that is that that's that's the kind of stuff that starts off genocides and if the andalites were to murder all the yurks that would be a genocide <laughs> yeah so yeah, it, it again. It's a complex issue. There, there's no black and white here. It's all gray. But <sighs> the Andalites are not squeaky clean either. No, the moral of this series is don't trust anyone over thirty. Um... Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, don't trust. I was about me. to say that. I was about to say that's a good, uh, you know, bit of advice, to everyone. But then I remembered we're all over. We're 30. all over thirty. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all can trust us. We no, are... but you see, the thing is, the thing is that we are all we are all queer, which means that we are unstuck uh, in that's time, true. and yeah. the normal rules yeah. don't apply to us. Yeah, so... to, you know, don't trust any like cis head person <laughs> over, over thirty, yeah. but yeah. queer people over thirty, you can definitely trust. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I just started puberty four years ago. I'm like fifteen tops. Um... <laughs> uh, well, by that logic, I guess I'm also like around like fourteen at max, right? <laughs> It's two and a half years, roughly. Yeah, see, we're good. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, two, two and a half years as of the 30th of this month, actually. Nice. Uh, yeah. Five years now. Shit. Um, there, so there's, yeah. I, I guess Axe basically assumes that they didn't realize what was what they were fighting. They knew that they were fighting mind controllers, but that's about it. And he gives him a little bit of an info dump about the galaxy, which I'm pretty sure is not relevant at all, because he claims that there are only three races left in all the known galaxy that still fight the Yerks. And, of course, we do get some of that Andalite propaganda here. Only the Andalites can stop them, but, like... Well, I mean, if anything, I feel like that's an overestimation. Yeah. There There are a lot of species in the galaxy, and we meet a lot of them later... But of all of them, I'm pretty sure only the Andalites are actively engaged in war with the That Earths. is correct. At least that we meet. Beyond that, uh, like, without getting... I mean, I, I can't say this without spoilering stuff, so I'm very, very sorry. But as of right now, the Yurks have conquered two planets. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess the Hork-Bazir homeworld and the Taxon homeworld, right? Uh, I mean, I guess you could argue that they conquered their own home planet because they were just trapped in the water. But <laughs> I feel like there was there were some that happened off screen um, because there's the Lyrans too. Well, sure, but that's but... not for another fifteen books. Oh, okay, yeah, they're they're like doing stuff elsewhere right now. They're not just otters. Yeah, there are other planets they're worried about too. So I just, like, this is very clearly a big dose of that propaganda we were talking about, because as much as, like, I don't know what the other two races Axe is talking about here are. Like, we'll never get that information, but I promise that there's a lot of people who could fight the Yurks and no one bothers because they're not a threat. <laughs> well, also, there's the fact that 
a lot of species the Yurks are not a threat to because a lot of species do not have the proper physiology mm-hmm. to be infested. And so those species basically like, I don't know, just don't fucking give a shit. Just yep. <laughs> Skritna. <laughs> Skritna and also the uh the Helmicrons. Mm-hmm. Of course the Helmicrons would be useless anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but they would be hilarious. Yep. So yeah. um uh, Cassie at this point asks how long until the Andalites get back to Earth. And Elfangor did say it would they would be here in a year, but I guess she's asking for a second opinion here. And X reaffirms, yeah, definitely a year, but maybe actually two. Uh, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> and so this Jake basically has a panic attack here as he realizes that it's the five of them against the entire Yurk Empire for two years. <laughs> He's not doing gotta, super well. I gotta say, in this chapter, Cassie's reaction to this knowledge and also being like, oh, now I know the enemy I'm facing. It's like, it really reads like she has just been checked the fuck out <laughs> happening in terms of the plot and is only now paying the fuck attention because she's, it's like, uh, it's like she's like, oh, I guess, uh, yeah, no, Jake's the leader. He can, he can pay attention. I'll just doddle my thumbs here and just be a horse or a dolphin and it'll be cool. And then it's like, uh oh, I finally actually like, uh, overheard something and paid attention and be like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> What's Cassie... going on? <laughs> Cassie does not want to do the violence, and she does not want to think badly of her fellow sentient beings. Yeah, that's even, true. Because like, has even, it, hasn't Cassie hasn't Cassie been at zero kills this entire time? Uh, no, no, she's she got, got two. Yeah, uh, she's got two, well, but they're off screen. She's about to get a third. <laughs> they're like assumed by us because those were that was the um the, oh, her the cop. Yeah, she guy. killed a cop. Yeah. The cop that honestly does it even count if you kill a cop? Like, I um. It's still it's, a it's, yerk. <laughs> it's still it's still like a, uh, a, a, well, it's it's still two sentient lives. So yeah, I think still so, a cop yeah. and a yerk. So yeah, I mean, all like if you want to go there, all of these, every single kill from the yerks is like a, a tool of an authoritarian regime. They're basically all cops. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, um. <laughs> So, yeah, Rachel is very upset. X affirms that he's going to join them in this fight. So there are six of them, but Rachel wants to know how this happened. Because, obviously, if the Andalites are the greatest power in the universe, how did they not stop the Yurks from enslaving and burning all these worlds? Obviously, like, come on. And X just says that he's not allowed to tell her, because he's not. (laughs) Yeah. And... This only makes her angrier, but Cassie decides that she needs to intervene. We're not going to have real discussions right now, because, uh, let's just not do that right now. She doesn't like it when people fight. And, yeah, so she has, essentially, she has found her reason for fighting for the planet, which is to say she doesn't want it to get turned into a burned husk of cinder on floating in space. And they are ready to get going. Kind of. Because now we'll get into chapter 20, which I have called, They're Bad at Planning, y'all. We've done that for ages now, at this point. (laughs) Since, like, book one. Uh, yeah. Well, see, the thing is, is that they came all the way down here, and they did not make a plan for how to get the Andalite out. Uh, because they can't swim is the thing. (laughs) 
Uh, fortunately, X has acquired a sea creature already, although he doesn't know what it's called, and they don't have time to talk about it because there's something here, and there's sonar. Which, which raises questions. Because if he acquired a sea creature already, why didn't he just leave? He could have left at I mean, he, any time. I mean, he's been like trying to get in contact with other Andalites, probably just to like actually have backup in case shit goes south. And also, I guess like, so. But he like, could have like, taken he, the stuff that he needed from the ship and then contacted them from elsewhere. Why did he stay underwater? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, he's a kid. <laughs> I feel like it's not. He's a waiting for the adults to come back. idea, though, because like for one thing, you can stay hidden much easier if you're underwater, just compared to so. the species on the planet. And for another, if you stay yes. with the ship, then like presumably the Andalites have a way of finding their ship. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, true. like he he'd have to be like walking around, mostly as animals on from Earth, like on like on the surface and everything, and occasionally having to like dip somewhere in like an alley to unmorph and morph back again, which is just Pink Cloud's problems compared to, yeah, to stay in the the nice field, yeah. uh, to like dome underneath the ocean. Mm. Not to mention, it's not like he got... has a shortage of food and water. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know if he can eat the food here on this planet. Maybe this is the only place he can survive. Yeah, I didn't actually think of that until you brought it up. They don't actually broach that topic of, like, hmm. They will. Uh, I mean, what, you mean what Andalites eat? Yeah, like, I mean, like, they don't bring up of, like, oh, uh, yeah, I need to bring, like, seed packets of stuff to grow <laughs> my food that I can eat because I can't eat your Earthian food or something. Uh, Andalites yeah, definitely no, don't it's... need to worry about that. We'll learn about that later. <laughs> well, yeah, because they, they eat with their butts, so <laughs> they can, they can kind of eat whatever. They don't have taste buds. They have uh, taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> Again, they don't eat with their butts. I, I want to make that clear. They do not eat with their butts. <laughs> Until I see evidence um, otherwise, I can only assume they eat with their butts. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the submarine starts pinging them, and I I don't know if you can actually hear the sonar ping if you're not in the submarine. I don't think but you can. They sure can. I, I really don't think you can. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's how sonar works. Know. I don't actually know if Andalites have butts. <laughs> uh, they might not. I mean. Physically, they have the structure. I don't know if they have any, um... Mm. Like, if there's anything that... Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, mm. Like, yeah. <laughs> Wait a sec. Uh, okay, I'm seeing conflicting things where, yes, you can hear sonar pings if you're not next to one of the noisy air handlers, which I guess is something related to it. But also this other one says sonar users frequently... Uh, sonar uses frequencies which are much too high-pitched for human ears to hear. Um... I don't Wait, know. But, but this also says to make it ear, this can be shatteringly loud because it's 235 decibels, as human eardrums can only withstand around 160. Well, uh, mm. I don't know. It could be different types of sonar. That would make sense. I feel like I, feel like I mostly hear the boom yeah. sound in like older yeah. movies, so maybe that's like an older an older type of sonar, which wouldn't make any sense for it to show up here. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I watched a decent amount of... Uh, Oh god, what was that fucking, uh, there was like some shitty, like, 60s or 70s t uh, TV show that was like, some people in like a shitty sub trying to like, mm -hmm. make the earth like, like turn again because it was slowing down or something, and they basically had to deal with like Monster of the Week stuff underwater, 
It was fuck. What the fuck was it? <laughs> it was a thing. I remember every time that like the ship, the the sub got attacked, they we always had the actors just run from one side to the other while well, they were tilting the camera. <laughs> and, <laughs> like red sirens blared. I don't remember what the fuck this show is called. I just remember seeing <laughs> shitty episodes of it. So, was kid. it like one of those weird, weird like? It was one of those like weird shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. The the ones oh, that I, ran for like a been. season and it then got canceled. Been? It might have so been. Remember, sci-fi. I remember, like, I think Sanctuary had some scenes in a submarine, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember anything like that from Sanctuary. Yeah. Oh, wait, I think I found it. I think it's Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. <laughs> yeah, oh, 64 okay. to 68. Uh, I want to see if I can find pictures of this to see if this is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I don't know. While you work on that, we can continue. The... Uh, yeah, it's definitely that. Yep, definitely that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, since there is a submarine pinging them now, they all jump into the airlock and start it filling with water as they turn into dolphins, which it's already a little bit crowded with the four of them and Axe in there, but now they're turning into dolphins, which are much bigger <laughs> than humans are. It's, it's, it's a mess. And Cassie talks a little bit about Axe morphing and how strange it is, which is very funny for Cassie to be the one talking about how strange it is to watch someone morph. But, yeah, uh, she, he's changing and changing, and it turns out that right as uh, the Yurks start bombing the dome <laughs> because they brought... <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, I don't know. It doesn't say if they're using depth charges or uh, torpedoes, but they're shooting something at the dome. And, uh, yeah, Axe, uh, Axe morphed a shark. He's, he is a shark, which is a problem on account of he's, you know, enemies with dolphins. They're maybe okay with this, maybe, because they seem to have gotten their dolphins under control, but who knows what he's going to do. I don't think he's morphed this shark yet. Um... Oh, yeah, and then we do get confirmation that they're dropping depth charges later. That's right, I'm sorry. So, they're they're not using space weapons, it's just ordinary bombs. <laughs> um, they're, they're... Well, I, it would make sense that the Yorks actually don't have, like, underwater weaponry if they don't have oceans on their home planet. So they're just using whatever they find from the species they conquer. They're from space. They could shoot lasers. Yeah, there's no ocean <laughs> in space either. <laughs> Maybe Dracon beams don't work in water. You can fire a proton torpedo underwater or something. <laughs> yeah, don't think about it. <laughs> anyway. we under people understand depth charges. She doesn't have to, like Applegate doesn't have to explain away the science of like a space depth charge. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they're swimming and swimming and swimming, and then the uh, the blade ship is there. It's it's flying. It's not underwater. But they can see it above the surface, just sort of floating there. And it's just dropping something down there. Like, not depth charges, thankfully, but uh, actually it turns out they are taxons. Because taxons swim super good, so they're just dropping their uh, taxon scuba core. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're... They are really uh, coming to eat a bunch of sharks and stuff. Um, Axe has some questions about a shark's uh, offensive capabilities... Which I guess suggests that he's pretty good at getting morphs under control because he's not trying to eat the dolphins and he doesn't even instinctively like go for the taxons or whatever. Well, I mean, even though he's also a kid, he's presumably had way more experience with morphing than the kids have. It's like the kids have had morphing capabilities for like a month at most at this point compared to Axe having it his whole life. Uh, uh, 
Uh, uh, that's why I said presumably. That's why I said presumably. I'm going based on what I know, four books in. <laughs> it's not a thing that's inherent to Andalites, right? That's why they have a machine that gives it to you. Oh, okay. I thought that they had it, like, as a genetic thing, and they managed to, like, reverse engineer it to make it as a cube. <laughs> no, and, and also, you'll... In the first book, Elfengor mentions that it's new technology. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, gotcha. It's cutting... It's, like, state-of-the-art, cutting-edge Andalite shit. They don't... They haven't then, had this for long. Then why does Axe have it? <laughs> if it's um, brand new. <laughs> because it's standard-issue military, but we'll get... But he's, yeah. a, well, he's a kid. He's not in the military. He yeah. is in the military. He's here on a military he's ship. Basically, he's basically a cadet. But Honestly, yeah. he's he's the kid in the pirate movie who's running back and forth bringing the cannonballs to the pirates. <laughs> yeah, basically. He's an intern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we get just a very brief usage of the first of what will be a very frustrating repeating line of Axe calling Jake Prince Jake as they dive into battle, and Jake saying not to do that. And Axe will never respect yep. his wishes ever, the end. Do we need a counter for that, too? Every time... Honestly, yeah, let's do that, every, too. Every time Prince Jake... Every, every time... Is it is it every time Axe calls Jake Prince Jake, or every time Jake tells Axe not to call him Prince Jake and Axe ignores him. I think it has to be the second one, because in the Axe books, he's gonna say it a lot internally, and that's just gonna get over the top. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if we do that, it's gonna probably, like, get, well, probably not surpass thermals, but get kind of close to thermals. Especially <laughs> so with this will be, this will be the don't, this will be the don't call me Prince counter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Then uh, we will just continue along with chapter 21, which is the best title I ever came up with, since I called it Timex. Like a Timex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Hey, look. <laughs> I told you it was a nice pun, but at the same yeah. time, it's cringy. <laughs> uh-huh. But, yeah, anyway. I, I'll be honest, I've been dreading this, and my dread was warranted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did mention yesterday, oh, I came up with a great t- chapter title, and you were like, oh boy. Yeah, no, I, I, I answered, I shudder with anticipation. The, the word shudder was very carefully chosen. <laughs> Look, puns are good. In any case, this chapter is, like, most of it is just a fight scene between the kids and Axe versus a dozen taxons. Uh, they just find out that they're much more renewable than taxons, because they are sea creatures and not giant worms. <laughs> and the kids basically just do a whole lot of murder on them with in particular the only one you really get the scripture of is cassie's uh well i wrote here first actual kill but i also put if i recall correctly i guess i was wrong because it's technically her mm. third yeah. uh but she just basically like Game. pops one of them as she describes like dropping a watermelon by just one bonk of her nose on the side of it <laughs> it's really weird that taxons are so easy to kill <laughs> yeah like... i mean they are big bugs, but, like, bugs usually have, like, carapaces and stuff. Well, the, if, like, the, the impression I get is they're just, like, gooey trash bags of <laughs> slime. Like, that's, Pretty. that's I mean, all she there does is to them. She does describe it basically as, like, a wet paper bag, so you're not far off. Yeah, they're, they're like, just, they can be popped by being run into real hard with something vaguely pointy, like a dolphin's yeah. beak. The, but, they're all they're all running that Shedinja Wonder well, Guard uh, play where they're hoping that you just don't have something super effective, which apparently is dolphins. <laughs> I mean, it's worth remembering that dolphins can go twenty miles an hour. It's not like just poking them with a needle. 
well, yeah, but still, it's like just one little bonk at 20 miles an hour is enough to just make this thing fully fucking explode. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. enough I mean, to they're... kill a person. <laughs> Ta I, guess, taxons, I guess. I guess so. Taxons are high damage. They're like, they're, they're glass cannons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, fuck, I'm also trying to think of a Pokemon that's a glass Honestly, cannon. Honestly, I don't think uh, they're, they're even necessarily glass cannons. It's just that there's a lot of them. They're, they're, they're the swarm enemy. <laughs> There's oh, a, okay, there's Zergs. There's Zergs. There's a there's a line in here where uh it's like I don't know what what uh alien ocean the taxons evolved in, but they weren't equipped for this ocean and it's like how? Why? You're just in water. Like it's just water. <laughs> You're just in water all around like, you. There's there's I no guess, like there's nothing else. So I how is it different? A, I guess that's a larger question. Did the taxons actually like evolve in water or are they just capable of swimming? No, they did not. Uh, I mean, okay, then from what I remember why, I of attacks on Homeworld, they're like, they're capable of swimming, they are not aquatic. Okay, then that would, I mean, that would explain why they yeah, suck against yeah, ocean exactly. creatures. That's true. Yeah. I just, I just don't, I just, I, I found that line weird, because it, an ocean is, like, uh, there's temperature differences, sure, mm -hmm. but it's water. You're in water. No matter what ocean you're in, you're in water. Uh, I ran a calculator real quick, and it turns out Cassie hit that taxon with 1,631 newtons of force. So yeah, I'm not surprised it exploded. <laughs> okay. I guess. It's just That's like, fair. I just remember early on when we decided to do this, that I was like, how are these kids going to get so many like kills by just being animals? And it turns <laughs> out, by just banking on the fact that the Yurks only ever Yurk other creatures that are made of paper <laughs> apparently <laughs> like again like you said like they are all just high dps low defense characters <laughs> well they're like also they just get bonked and die instantly <laughs> it's not like the animorphs are trying to go for like head-on assaults you know yeah. like yeah they're, 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 they're doing what they can when they need to rather than just like constantly yeah. attacking them they're insurgents, which makes sense because you're right. There's and six of them. By, by being animals, just by being animals, they would not be able to win a war without being sneaky yeah. about it. Which is <laughs> or, or you know, occasionally if you just happen to be a bird who grabs a laser gun and can blow up an entire ship. With one <laughs> yeah, shot. that's true. I think that's an exception. <laughs> which really, uh, did Tobias save that gun? Uh, no, he dropped think, it because he was too tired to keep carrying uh, it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I feel like if they needed to, they could get a Dracon beam. Yeah. Like, they, well, yeah, they murder like they just, enough. They just have to, like, uh, you know, Tobias can just scatter around for, like, a soul, like, Hork Bajir, like, on patrol somewhere mm -hmm. and alert everybody else. They can come and just kick his ass and then take his laser gun. Or and then, Tobias boom. could just rip out his eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just do what like he does he all do. the time. Rip, rip out the guy's eyes, take his gun, shoot him yeah. with the gun, and then you got a gun. <laughs> Which has proven itself to be very effective at destroying any of their vehicles. The problem with that is that it's hard to fire a gun when you're an animal. Yeah. That's why he he, he does that four times, and or five now at this point, and gives everybody else... Oh no, Axe has a Dracon beam. Oh, you I know what? He, well, I guess he can't you know, hold it with Axe him anymore. Axe has you know who weapon, could? yes, but I don't think he brings it with him when he leaves the ship, no. No. Yeah, because you know like who... presumably it doesn't morph with him when he transforms. Right, it's kind of hard to carry that as a shark. But you know who yeah. could use a gun while in battle morph is Marco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he he has thumbs. Because <laughs> he has thumbs. Or, hear me give out. The, the give the gorilla a gun. <laughs> Just hear me out. They could all be raccoons. 
Oh boy, Ra raccoon army equipped with laser weaponry. <laughs> the problem is that raccoons don't have opposable thumbs. Hmm. They have semi-opposable thumbs. Do they? Would they really need thumbs to just like hold the gun with one hand? Because it's like a little like pistol size, right? So like they, I feel like they could like manage it even without thumbs well, to hold it and fire. Again, maybe it wouldn't be as accurate, but still, it's it's like. <laughs> the thing is, is that this TV show establishes Dracon beams are flashlights. It's just a button on the side. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't TV take... show. <laughs> I don't take the TV show as canon for the appearances of things. <laughs> yeah. I I pictured the the Dracon beams looking a little bit like um like a dark Eldar uh you know the the fucking needle guns they have the little. Oh, you like the needler from Halo? The... No, it's it's the, the 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 pistols the Dark Eldar use in Warhammer 40k. That's kind of how I picture the Dracon uh, beams. I guess just based on the fact that it is like something small enough that device can feasibly carry it. I just also envision it more like the like the basic like blaster gun that the Covenant use in the Halo games, like the plasma rifle, <laughs> which you can dual wield in some games. Stinger pistol. It, it... That's what it's called. Ah, I gotcha. Okay. In any case, we should continue with this. Uh, basically, the cat, the taxons just get the shit kicked out of them, so they eventually retreat, and they need to rush over to a little island chain that they know is about two hours away, even at top speed, to unmorph and rest up before being able to continue on. And it just asks, ax, eh, I wrote ax asks and did not realize I would have to actually pronounce that. <laughs> ax asks them how they can, how they can uh, tell how long they're morphed because it's like how do you keep track of time? And when they respond that they sometimes just have to wing it, <laughs> they cannot bring a watch with them. Not to make it device fun with winging it because he usually carries a watch. Uh, he reveals that Andalites apparently have a mental clock of sorts, so I guess that problem is just solved as long as he's around. They don't need watches yep. anymore. Uh, Nax tells them that they've used up... He basically says 30% of their time, but he also says approximately, so... I guess he's just banking on the fact that, like, well, I didn't actually see what time it was when we started the morph, so I'm guessing at this point how much we used. I think he's but just it's... preoccupied and doesn't want to do the math right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, eh, like, thir like that third, <laughs> roughly. There you go. But in any case, they at least have something better than just having to fully guess. Uh, but they start to hear the sound of something big landing in the water and approaching them, and... Note that the shadow of the blaze ship isn't around anymore, which I don't know why the ship would have gone away if we know this is clearly Visitor 3 that is going after them. Why would this ship leave? Uh, in any case, Cassie remembers that she can echolocate at this point, <laughs> and she finds out, again, Cassie forgetting stuff and then being like, oh yeah, I have this ability. And then she finds out that there's something about the size of a whale but moving differently towards them, and she surfaces to get a look around, which is interesting to me because, you know, Dolphins don't have good eyesight, they established that, and that's why they rely on echolocation, so I don't know why surfacing lets her see better, but whatever. She does this, and she sees a like reddish-purple hump crest the waves, which is covered in countless little fish tails, as she describes it. And when she describes this to X, he calls it a... and this is going to be me guessing this pronunciation... Mardut? Mardut? How, I, how I think that is Mardrut, or Mardrut, I'm not sure. There's, there's no second R. I think it's M-A-R-D-T, uh, There's right? definitely a second R in my copy. Oh, maybe maybe I misspelled it in my notes. <laughs> oh, Mur whatever. Murder, murder, but... Yeah. The, the, the fucking uh, beholder underwater. 
because yeah, it's kind of just propelling itself through imagination, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. I, this... I it's like it's like a a bunch of water bags covered yeah. in cilia. It's like jetting through the water. But, but, but also, I guess has big old teeth. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I guess oh. so. Yeah. But, that I guess I'm think, I guess I'm also the more thinking like a cacodemon from uh from Doom. <laughs> I mean it's like X very specifically describes how it swims. It intakes water into three chambers and then shoots it out as jet pressure. Yeah. But then why is it at the fins? I guess to direct itself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just it's interesting and weird. But in any case uh yeah uh he says that it's from the oceans of an andalite moon and is absolutely pissed that versa 3 would set foot anywhere close to his planet in order to take their animals and he explains the swimming thing that, that you just did there uh but that he hadn't recognized it at first since he only heard about these in school while he was fucking around not paying attention which cassie finds a bit amusing despite the situation that even psionic space deer just don't give a fuck about school <laughs> <laughs> It's very funny that they're already, like, engendering us to Axe, just being like, Axe is like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I'm just a dumbass kid, too, just <laughs> like the rest of y'all. Just because I'm a space deer doesn't mean I'm any different. <laughs> uh, but Axe is also impressed that the kids have fought Vicious 3 before, since they are like, yeah, we know this is that fucker. <laughs> and, that th and then, against all common fucking sense, they're still alive, so he commends them a bit for it. <laughs> because it's like, oh, yeah, most of the people don't actually survive against this guy. Y'all just keep getting really lucky. <laughs> it seems really easy to survive a fight with Visser 3 is the thing, because he's always going to morph a giant monster, so just turn into something that's faster than him and you're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the question is, do you have time to morph? Yeah. And the answer is probably no. <laughs> I guess also, um, is is Visser 3 also restrained to the two? I guess he is also restrained to the two-hour time limit, right? Well, like, uh, yes... But it's less of an issue, kind of, because the Yerk wouldn't be stuck in the morph, just the Endolite body, so... I uh, yeah, that's true. feel like, Maybe? depending on the morph, the Yerk very much could be stuck. Because either the Yerk goes where matter goes when it's not needed for the morph, or... <laughs> The, the yerk is it could be stuck in an animal with no egress you know mm -hmm. what I mean? yeah that's that's what i was just thinking like if it doesn't have like an equivalent of like ear canals or something to be able to get out <laughs> hmm. uh it, it i think it would definitely depend on the morph i'm pretty sure like if 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 viscer three morphed a human she will later if he morphed a human he'd be able to get out mm -hmm. if he morphed like well, yeah, I don't know, I have ears. a yeah. fly or something oh well yeah yeah. Well, this is why he only morphs giant monsters. We figured it out. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing, though. He never has to actually worry about the time limit because he doesn't have to be as stealthy as these kids because he just shows up to try to fight them, and so it's like he only has to say more for like five minutes to just make them run away. Visor Three would not want to, like, ruin his Andalite host body. No, though. he would not. Yeah. So. Also, also that he he keeps gloating about the fact that he, he has the only Andalite body, so he's only York that can morph. So he really wouldn't risk it. And also, it's like to be fair, he doesn't have to because it's like he's not like in a position where if he has to unmorph, if he's close to the two-hour time limit, it's not like he had, doesn't have a bunch of dudes to cover him while he unmorphs and morphs again or something. If that did happen, if if Visser three got trapped in morph and then couldn't leave, would he die of Condrona starvation? I, I, he must. He should, right? Because he wouldn't be able to get out. He'd eat. Yeah. Um, 
Or eat know. slash bathe in the in the space jacuzzi. I mean, I think it really depends on how that works, right? Because if part of him is translated into the mass zone, I don't know if it needs to be sustained. Because in the mass zone, you're just kind of in a neutral state constantly. <laughs> it... The the mass the mass zone is weird. I'm not really sure <laughs> what its relationship to, to to time is because we'll learn more about that later, and it's really weird and I think interesting. And um, like it is just the warp from 40k. That's how Andalites travel is diving in and out of the warp. Yeah, yeah, that's basically. Except it doesn't. It's not full of demons. No, but... it's full of free floating globs of flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Not very full of free-floating <laughs> flesh, or else ships would constantly be running into them, which they don't. Listeners, I have not actually experienced really any 40k, so I can't contribute. <laughs> uh, I mean, partially true. I did play a little bit of that 40k Space Marine game, but did not like it. That's understandable. I think it's, I think it's because like that was before I really started to get into the habit of like not every game of that style is like a cover shooter. So I wasn't as used to the like oh, just be fully fucking no. aggressive. <laughs> no, if you're a space marine, yeah, you are covered. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I would actually if I tried it again these days, it would actually like it better just because like that was also how I started playing like, Doom 2016 of like being more defensive. But it's like no, actually that you can't play that way. You need to you, just run at people with a fucking shotgun and chainsaw them and stuff. You have to understand for someone who like knows about 40k lore. The idea of a space marine giving a shit about cover <laughs> is insane. <laughs> like, nah, this, they don't. This, like, this roided out dude in power armor just hiding behind a chest eye wall, just being like, ah, oh, it's real bad out there. So start. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you are cover. You don't need cover, you are cover. The thing is, if something could be blocked by a chest eye wall, then it's not going to bother a space marine, so there's no point. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in any case, we should, we should continue on. Yeah. Uh, chapter 22, which I could not think of a good title for, so I just called it Stress Call, uh, makes it abundantly clear that Bishop 3 in his Marjorie, Marjorie, whatever form is basically just outpacing the kids over time, as he apparently simply doesn't tire out for some reason. Uh, the jet propulsion will do that. Creature. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, basically it's just like the kids are just getting tired out way quicker than him, so it's like, well, we're kind of screwed long term. Uh, Visser 3 then does like a brave wa brainwave call to them to just do his usual thing of taunting them as he is wont to do, even though he's proven himself to be even more incompetent than a group of teenagers repeatedly. Because, like, as soon as Visser 3 goes and like, oh, I'm gonna eat ya, it's like the kids should be like, okay, well this guy's gonna completely fuck something up and we're safe. Because <laughs> it's just three out of three times so far he's done that and then fucked up, so it's like, eh, this, this guy's already thinking he's won, so he's already fucked. Can <laughs> you just uh, say... The the idea that Visser 3 is even considering eating them when this is six morph-capable bodies. Yeah. yeah, it's like, you would think that, again, this guy would have fucking learned anything and been like, oh, I guess technically five morph bodies, because Dubai's ain't here, but like still, like... Oh, that's true, yeah. You are the... I mean, again, it could just be him being so egotistical that he doesn't want any other yerk to be able to morph, because then that makes him be a little bit less important, I guess. I mean, but it's still a case of, like... Which makes him a bad leader. his explicit motivation, yes. He wants to be the only one with an Andalite morph. 
I guess, Which but that's also, but like you would think that like if like you know he's obviously probably had to report this to his superiors, and you would think that they'd be like, no, you mm. fucking moron, no. capture them, so this way we have more people capable of morphing. That's the thing is he hasn't, and they they mentioned that like I think in a previous book he has yeah. not mentioned this to the Council of Thirteen um, or or the uh, higher. Oh, okay, so because... so maybe yeah, that probably actually came up in the rates of looking at this yeah. because... that he's intentionally not telling them because he's a dipshit. <laughs> he reported there was no Andalite presence and that he had annihilated the Andalite presence on Earth. So if he reports that like any of that got through then the council of 13 will be very very mad at him again this is why um, chapman just has to fucking report his manager to the, yeah. the higher ups because then maybe he would get the end of life body Chap because he actually is giving a shit <laughs> chapman is very i think fond of uh his life <laughs> and doesn't want to he, he is fond he is fond of not dying <laughs> yeah yeah in any case whatever uh, basically at this, uh, Cassie just says that she experiences hatred for apparently the first time in her life because she was raised to never hate, <laughs> and she only does so now at this moment when she remembers how Axe told them that the Yurks will basically just raise Earth of all its, like, necessities except the bare minimum. Uh, and she tries to tell Axe to not respond to Versa 3 at all, but Axe has never come face to face with the man who killed his brother before, and he's just absolutely furious and the fear starts to get to him a bit, even though he's a shark, and sharks don't really show fear. Uh, yeah, at that, Cassie resolves to not die of hatred in her heart, and instead just starts to drift off remembering good things like her family, writing thermals, ding. ding. <laughs> I got to, no, I did it before you, I have explicitly ding in my notes, that's why I remember to say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, writing thermals with Tobias, and how she just obviously wants to smooch Jake. She, does, she doesn't say it explicitly like that, but she points out Jake as part of her, like, good memories, and it's like, mm -hmm. again, I just, I wish that it was just like, you had more build-up to these kids having relationships with each other like that in terms of just this because it's just been like a little arbitrary that it's just it's kind of just rushing into like obviously Tobias and Rachel and also Cassie and Jake and it's like I, yeah there's really been no build-up there. Again this is how relationships work when you're a kid one of them says do you like me and I the guess. other one says yes and then you're dating whether you like each other or not. <laughs> <laughs> Again to be fair I never had that experience so I could not actually say. <laughs> uh yeah. In any case, uh, eventually she remembers the uh, the whale as part of her like good memories. I don't know why this thing that happened like a couple days ago is a good memory already, but well, she I mean, realized... it's okay. Did it happen in the past? True. <laughs> Does she have a memory of it? Yeah. Is it a good memory? I guess. Despite <laughs> the fact that Marco, yeah, despite, there you go. Despite, it's a good. It's like she's like, oh yeah, I thought that because it's a good memory. Marco's like, you remember I almost fucking drowned, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's good for me, not you. <laughs> Then whales saved Marco. Like that's yeah, but he almost uh, also died. <laughs> whales saved Marco. It, it. I would say it's a good memory. I would say that encounter was very I would, like. I would. It would be a, again. It might be a good memory for Cassie because Marco didn't die, but it might be a bit of a traumatic memory for Marco because he almost died. <laughs> well, yeah, but Marco isn't in on this whole like trip down memory lane Cassie is having. I guess. So I guess. <laughs> I don't know. All these kids will have PTSD by the end is what I'm expecting, even if they don't just yet. <laughs> oh yeah, fine. well, I mean, a, a lot of them already do. Oh yeah, no, they'll be fine. Remember, in, sh in, in, in stories like this, the kids always turn out completely okay. Slaps roof of Marco. Mm -hmm. This kid can hold so much yep. trauma. <laughs> <laughs> no, slightly, slightly pat him on the head. Don't slap him. Again, Marco came into enough. this... Marco came into this pre-jaded. <laughs> exactly, because his mom drowned. 
Uh, in any case, uh, Cassie realizes that she can actually hear the whale song nearby, so she dips into the dolphin's mind to try sending a call to him for help via echolocation. Uh, later on, Axe reports that they've used up all but basically 24 minutes of their time, and with Vista 3 too close anyway, they basically just all resolve to die fighting rather than be picked off one by one. Yeah, not for nothing, but they've been swimming at full speed for an hour. It is very impressive that they're still going. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been like a full hour of them being chased. <laughs> But yeah, but as they go to swim to their doom, Jake and Cassie basically repeat what the Bison and Rachel did last book, where they more or less tell each other they love each other, again, from, like, kind of nothing. And what's with the coincidence where I got the chapters of teenagers arbitrarily having hots for each other in two books in a row? Is that why I ended my notes for that chapter? Because <laughs> it happened last time! <laughs> I feel like that's what's going to happen, just based on how we structure who does what chapters, so I feel like that's always going to be near, like, the relative end of one of these books entirely <laughs> okay yeah all right chapter 23 which i've called but why couldn't they have ridden the whales to mortal <laughs> uh <laughs> so visitor three decides he's gonna eat them which like you know bad general this these are essentially the equivalent of fighter jets like these are incredibly valuable hosts they're just kind of if you can't capture eating. fighter jets you gotta blow them up before the enemy yeah. keeps them um, so he rushes at them and is about to eat them. Uh, they've, they've run out of, um, they've, they've run out of, uh, uh, I think, I think it was in, in the last book that they decided they were going, sorry, no, hold on, the last chapter. Um. Last chapter they consigned themselves to death, yeah. They consigned themselves to death, yeah. So at this point they're turning to face, uh, Visser 3, and then suddenly... We get some onomatopoeia, which is just, uh, th these books love that. <laughs> Floomp. Floomp, apparently, is the sound that a whale makes when it runs into a mardut. Uh, and then Floomp is the sound that another whale makes when it runs into a mardut. So there's more than one whale now. Uh, there's several whales that are attacking Visser 3. And, um, uh, Cassie's like, ah, oh, the great ones. And then whale, and then, um... Marco yells, it's the whales! So, you know, they have very different views of the whales. I think Marco still views them as big, dumb animals. <laughs> um, which I don't know why at this point, because one, Cassie has told you already explicitly that there is way more to them, has had a long conversation with them, which was very obvious, even though, like, you couldn't hear what was going on. <laughs> and three, now they're helping you fight the aliens! So, like, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Marco is is getting a little bit more respect for them at this point. I don't know. We don't know that he's not. Yeah, but also, this is just kind of a weird situation. Because there's five whales mm -hmm. here. That's like, you don't see that. Yeah, you don't. You never... <laughs> and also, apparently, okay, in this... Like, later, Cassie will call the one that, uh, had, that she had met earlier the humpback. Mm -hmm. Which implies there's different species of whales. Yeah. That are yeah, all cooperating here. Yeah, she specified which... that some of them are sperm whales, and it's like that. I don't. <laughs> yeah, two sperm whales, the humpback, yeah. and then two quote smaller females that we don't get a species mm -hmm. on. Also, also, um, I will reveal here when we before we start reading this book, I just kind of selected a chapter near the end at random and saw mm. that line. It's the whales, and I was like, the fuck happens in this book? <laughs> I was like, what? what? Okay. Sure, Adamorph. Uh, fucking yeah. whatever. Take me on this fucking journey. <laughs> so then, uh, the Ca Cassie's uh, whale. The that's what she thinks thinks of the whale as my whale. 
uh, it's, Will doesn't belong to you, but I'm sure Cassie understands that. Um, began to lash the Marta with his tail. Uh, hammer blows. That's that's how she describes it. Uh, this Will's just beating the shit out of Visser 3. Um, and Visser 3 starts retreating. Uh, and at, at this, there's a point here where Cassie says, Whales are not very good at killing. They don't really have much of a talent for hating and destroying. Girl. And I will say, <laughs> I will say, this... This depends strongly on the species of whale. Two of these are sperm whales. These are toothed whales. They are predators. They are bull sperm yeah, whales. Like, they are going to eat Visser 3. <laughs> yes. Like, it, it, it's funny that she's like, oh, whales don't have a capacity to hate. Have you seen a killer whale, Cassie? <laughs> killer whales killer... are named killer whales for a reason. <laughs> technically, killer whales are dolphins, but that's also fine, because dolphins are technically whales. <laughs> so... Uh... Yeah. No, it really does depend on the species whether or not whales are capable of violence. Yeah, this is like and, the um, second time in the first four books where Visser 3 is just dead full on. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> also, if you really want to get down to it, even baleen whales are responsible for, like, probably trillions of deaths in their lifetimes because oh, yeah. they eat krill. <laughs> but it's not like, I don't think they would do it with all that much malice. I don't know. Again, I'm not pretending to understand animal minds. I just know that um, sperm whales kill and eat squid. So, you know, it's... They're they're big predators. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, she... Like, we get this little um, note here from, from Cassie about the intelligence of whales. And she mentions that, like, no, they're not algebra smart they're not rocket science smart but they don't need to be in order to be what they I, are i would i would trust a whale to make a rocket ship more than i would certain individuals <laughs> i would trust a whale yeah that's true i would yeah <laughs> a whale Let's... can't be any worse than elon musk at making a rocket ship at this point <laughs> because a, a whale would not be an active hindrance <laughs> yeah to, exactly like like the whale the, the, runs. The, the, the whale is like those uh towns that elect like cats and dogs as mayor where it's like it's just a title we gave them it, there's no actual authority yeah. here we don't get whale, nothing done because we need to let the dog decide it's just it's listen, a title <laughs> the whale just swims around in the ocean eating krill which is a whole lot better than what elon musk does which is oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, like act- in the act- office making stupid demands. Yeah, and, and actively uh, embracing fascism on his site that he now runs into the ground. Yeah, and just I don't know it. Yeah, well, um, so she she expresses her opinion that uh, if souls exist, then whales have them as well as people, uh, and she also um, mentions that like the. That she feels like the sea itself called them out to respond, uh, and that if she mentioned this, this, then then Marco would probably laugh, or or at least Marco would have laughed. And uh, well, that's just fucking on Marco, I guess, because that's <laughs> awesome. And I really appreciate how Cassie is thinking here, and this is why she is the group shaman. She is uh, the connection to, like, I don't know, a lot of important shit that the animorph should be thinking about <laughs> and she understands she understands stuff you know mm-hmm. what i mean she gets it she gets it and i appreciate that um and x mentions the morph time is almost up but it's fine because the whale actually like lets them rest and demorph on the whale 
and carries them back. Um, they're so tired that Cassie actually falls asleep on the back of the whale. And that would seem like an incredibly dangerous situation to be in. But when she wakes up, they, she sees the shore up ahead. Uh, and so it turns out that the whale has, like, carried them back. Um, it's a good thing the whale knows and... where they live. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's I mean, the, the whale is the whale is presumably just going to the closest part of the of the shoreline, <laughs> rather than exactly yeah, where they need to go. Yeah, I guess. Although they did, I don't necessarily know that that's the case because they did hitch a ride on a like a ship mm-hmm. to get yep. here. So, yeah. Um, so the whale carries them back, and Cassie has a conversation with jake about how the mission went and the fact that yeah they did it you know they succeeded this was a complete victory they got the andalite they got out alive barely but they still got out alive and um i think cassie gains a little bit of confidence here uh it reminds me a little bit about that one episode of star trek the next generation when counselor troy takes command Ooh, yeah good call <laughs> yeah uh and she's like not sure she can do it at first but then she realizes that uh she actually does have that capability and i think that's very much cassie's arc in this one she realizes okay i'm a little bit more competent than i thought I was. <laughs> um so she still says that she wouldn't want to do it again if she had the choice and um they, she's still like curious as to whether or not this is morally right what they're doing, uh, which again I don't understand like why that's a question, but apparently it is. Yeah. And Jake basically says like, well, if you could ask the dolphins, I'm sure they'd say it's all right, uh, and they agree that the dolphins probably wouldn't understand the situation; they would think it's just a game. Um, I've called chapter twenty four people blender. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, uh, I have, I have problems with this chapter with the stuff. Oh, I do too. Believe me. Uh, excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my guys. So, uh, they morph into their dolphin bodies from off of the whale and swim into the river, um, to a place where they can demorph, and, uh, they get dressed. Axe comments on this, like, why? what is the meaning of the things you place on your bodies? And they explain the concept of clothing, and in addition to protecting them from the environment, it, it also is a social, like, more, it's like a social uh, taboo to be naked, and Marco tries to explain this. This will be a constant uh, issue for Axe later. The necessity of wearing clothing while in human company <laughs> and in a human body is... Uh, consistently lost on axe uh and the very particular you know the the specifics of how you wear clothing um so yeah also uh tobias meets axe for the first time and axe um i think uh tobias says i like this more so much i moved in permanently but he says it sarcastically uh although i i don't understand how Axe doesn't really do well with sarcasm in the future. Mm-hmm. Yep. So not really sure how he grasps that. Um, 
the Andalite, so Axe, Axe sort of remarks you were trapped and then mentioned that, like, they've, they've clearly, you know, given sacrifices for, for their fight already. Um, and that brings us to the point where this is also like the first interaction we get between Axe and Tobias, and I, I feel like that's worth mentioning um, because Tobias also mentions that he was with Elfangor at the end, uh, yeah. which is very significant to both Axe and Tobias. I feel like they could have and a real conversation see... here, but Jake just kind of cuts him off. It's really uncool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. But I and and we're get, we're going to see the relationship between Axe and Tobias deepen considerably in the future. Um, but for now, it's just oh hey, I was with your brother when he died. Uh, and Jake just kind of cuts them off. We could have had some kind of... We'll, we'll get a chance for that later, yeah. but... Um, so Cassie suggests that they bring the alien to her farm because there's lots of fields and meadows and woods, and uh, it just goes all the way to the National Forest. Um, the only place they have to hide him. It's also a bad place because that's a farm that is owned by her parents mm -hmm. who are normal human people. Yep. And, you know, a farm is not like land that you just kind of own and ignore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a lot I, of it is apparently wilderness, but... I, I'm now envisioning a scenario where one of her parents sees Axe in the fields and she's just like, no, it's a person just practicing, uh, there's two people practicing their tandem horse <laughs> outfits for Halloween. No, someone, <laughs> someone painted a deer blue. It's fine. <laughs> they they strapped some like fake antlers to it that have eyeballs. Don't worry about it. It's a, it's a, ha a Halloween costume. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Tandem horse just from space. <laughs> um... So then that comes to the question of how they're going to get Axe there. Clearly, he's going to have to morph. He decides he's going to morph human. Mm -hmm. uh, and they wonder which human. There are several to choose from here. Axe, however, does not choose. He says, with your permission, but he's already touching Cassie at uh -huh. that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's not getting consent, Axe. <laughs> I, I assume that there was a nod in there that was not mentioned because Cassie there's nothing does not transcripted, to... so I'm saying no cons no consent. <laughs> <laughs> I assume there. I, I I think it's implied simply by the fact that Cassie doesn't be isn't like wait a second you asked for my permission but I did not give it to you. Um. I don't know. It's it's weird. I think it's just the way it's written. Yep. Uh. So. Marco remarks that um, Ar Marco uh, like asks, "Are you going to morph Cassie?" And then immediately Axe goes and touches Marco's face and acquires him, which which was not no, it wasn't. No. Look, <laughs> look, Axe. I get that you're uh, in, in, from a different planet and all with different norms and cultures, but like you you asked for with your permission you know that you should at least ask for consent but you're not waiting for the person to actually consent <laughs> it is also like later mentioned andalites will definitely only acquire a sentient being if they like that that's that's just kind of like yeah they, they have a concept yeah. of consent in their yeah, that's one of their big taboos and, yeah you don't you don't more sentient beings without asking them first um which you know, good on them for <laughs> for having that because that's probably a good 
it's probably a, a, a good uh, a good standard to go by. Um, so he acquires everyone and then kind of morphs all of them together, uh, chooses to be male. Um, and this is relevant because this influences the Animorphs that then help him get dressed. <laughs> because when he does it, he wears the shirt like pants and puts the boxers on his head. Um, which is not how those things work. Yeah, he's he's clearly he's clearly seeing a picture of Link from Legend of Zelda, and he wants to replicate mm. the floppy cap the best There's he can. Also, just a also... little bit of a weird sequence here, right? Because he puts these clothes on, and they all turn around and look at him and see him like that. And then Jake asks if he's yeah. male or female, who should help? Yeah, you with yeah. Clothes. You like... you would you yeah. would think that the lack of like boobs would indicate well, a little bit, Jake. Like, I mean, they're twelve. I get it. I, I mean, but also like uh, everyone is seeing yeah, him right <laughs> now. At this point, I don't know how much it matters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they're not seeing because again, okay, yes, he is wearing sh- a shirt. He's wearing a shirt as pants, so they're not seeing his crotch okay, or anything that's like fair. that. Um, <laughs> he at least realized he had to cover that. Uh, so he's also like playing with the word with the mouth sounds. He he'll do this constantly, uh, and he'll never stop. <laughs> oh, this you isn't something that novel. This... Yeah, this isn't something that improves over time. He's just always going to be doing this. You would think the novelty would wear off after a time. And he does reduce that slightly. A little bit. But, uh, no. Listen. <laughs> he continues to do that for the entire series. Phonemes are cool and they're fun to play with. <laughs> yes, all the time. Like, when you're just speaking to people normally. <laughs> All the time. All the time, yeah. When you're, like, in front of people talking to them, you'd think that would, uh, kind of make things harder, you know, just when you're trying to communicate with someone. I mean, it does, but also, like, I do it on this show sometimes, so... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, when Cassie turns around again, she sees that Axe is dressed normally, um, however, Marco does... And mm-hmm. normally in a t-shirt and boxers with no pants or shoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and the way Cassie describes him, he is basically average in every way. <laughs> but in that way where, like, you know you know those things where they take a bunch of different photographs and then average them all together and the face ends up being weirdly pretty? Yeah, like the, the, the thing of, like, uh, put these two people's pictures together and this is what their kid would look like. Kind yeah, of and it's, like, always, it's always, like, because of the way, like, the human mind processes faces, the average face is always more attractive <laughs> or, like, seems more attractive. Um... I, I feel like that's what's happening here because he's like weirdly pretty. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't need to mention that here, but they 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 will say that later. Yeah, I know they will. They, they absolutely um, will. I think almost everyone is attracted to X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he's medium build, medium height, medium skin tone, just like ambiguously brown. Um, just a little bit of 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 Rachel's gold hair, but with uh, uh, but still mostly brown um and he is human but weird 
And Marco advises him not to talk to any strangers on the way back because he will definitely make people uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, for for so, the listeners at home, uh, Patch this post did, oh god, he has frosted tips. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, he also has trouble with the two legs, which is weird because humans don't have any trouble flying when they become birds. That's fair. And that's a learned behavior. Birds don't just, like, know how to fly immediately. They learn how. Well, to be yet, fair, it does take humans a couple years to start walking. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we, we brought this up in another earlier episode, just like a few weeks ago, too, where it's like, it takes people, like, it takes babies, like, about, like, nine months to even start to be able to, like, basically barely yeah but call. when humans are babies they can't fucking do anything <laughs> but yeah yeah they true. can't hold ba- their human, heads human up. human babies are born actually way too early is the thing because we are like the human, most useless species when we're born human babies are basically just blobs with bones <laughs> like 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 the average baby animal takes like a few weeks to start getting up and doing stuff compared to us where we take like literal years <laughs> all i'm saying is that if humans can like listen to the animal because the animal knows how to fly or swim or whatever then act should be able to know how to walk <laughs> because people don't think about also, walking I, when they're walking I have, you know what I, I do mean? have to ask if Axe is able to t- copy these kids DNA if he were to copy Tobias would he take the kid person DNA or would he also take the bird uh, DNA this is a bird he's only I, got bird DNA I don't think it would work though I don't think you'd acquire a, a someone in morph even if they're yeah I, I just feel like i had to ask because i feel like it also would have been easier on axe if he could just copy tobias's bird dna and just be a bird and fly with them compared to having to learn legs um i had trouble coming up with a name for chapter 25 i don't blame I you I did this. it's kind of a nothing yeah, chapter it's, it's, i know i yeah. did this in the last chapter and i might just fucking do this anytime they have a chapter like this but i'm calling it another glorified death <laughs> because that's what it is and it's it's literally half a page all that happens is that cassie flies into the gardens as a seagull demorphs uh in the dolphin enclosure and then the dolphins swim up and and they're curious about why a human is there at night she gets into the water and she morphs dolphin and the dolphins are definitely confused she's trying to get some kind she's I think she's doing this out of a sense of, like, showing the dolphins what she's done and getting their, like, sort of permission in retrograde, like, permission in that retro- retrospect, you know? Like, uh, just making sure the dolphins are okay with it. And apparently they are, because all they want to do is play with her. <laughs> Yeah, that's what, like that's the, how, that's dolphins, dolphins the dolphins think. are not smart enough to understand it and yeah. just like, oh, a new friend, let's play. Yeah, new friend, let's <laughs> play. And so then they, they like, try to get her to play with them, and then so she does, and that's the end of the book. Yeah, the dolphins are not at all upset that she has literally just turned into an exact duplicate of one of them, because remember, her dolphin morph yeah. is one of these. <laughs> yep. Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, it seemed like they all grabbed the same dolphin, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't think they grabbed different dolphins. I think that is correct, yes. <laughs> I feel like I feel like with real life dolphins there would be like a maybe thirty percent chance they would have bashed her to death with their noses. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is the nineties and we had like this weird 
weird view of dolphins. Yeah, we, we still had this animals. idea that dolphins were just like nice pure creatures and not like sexual predators in some cases. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> again, I, I, don't, I don't really, I don't really truck with people who demonize dolphins for those things. Yeah, dolphins mm-hmm. kill porpoises for sport and like practice infanticide and and you know rape each other and stuff like that. But th- so do people. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so do human beings. So if you're going to get on dolphins for doing that <laughs> shit, then... You gotta get on people for that shit, Yeah, too. yeah. exactly. It, uh, it's, just, uh, it's just that, like, you know, they're just not as, like, innocent, goofy things like people uh, used to really are think very, they Dolphins are very intelligent creatures, and I think that with intelligence comes a certain level of... You know, the, the, <laughs> the freedom to make what I would consider to be poor decisions... Again, I'm yeah. not gonna like. I, I I feel weird saying, "Oh, that's a poor decision that animal made." But <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is still that. <laughs> it, from from, like like me silently judging uh, one of my old ferrets uh, who unfortunately passed away. But at this point, whenever they accidentally had to like take a shit on the floor, and it's like, "How dare you? That's a bad decision on your part." And it's like it's just well, yeah. I just couldn't find my way back to my cage. From, <laughs> from a like a biologist perspective, I can't necessarily say that animals make poor decisions because bio like science doesn't really work that way. From a Buddhist yeah. perspective, I can say that animals can certainly make poor decisions. But from the person that, who that's, owns that's a cat perspective, okay. cats absolutely make poor decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's also the cat like looking at you, knowing that you're not going to be thrown yeah. what they're doing, right? That's the cat choosing to do that, just being like, "What are you can do, motherfucker." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's the end of the book, and I gotta say, I liked this one a yeah. lot. And I, I didn't really, when I was a kid and I was reading through Cassie books, I don't think I really liked them as much as I kind of liked this one now. I, and I think that the reason is because I really couldn't appreciate what Cassie brings to the team. That's fair. Um, she. She brings uh, something a little bit more grounded, a little bit more, I even want to say spiritual, um, to the task that the Animorphs have to complete. She's basically the, I made a joke um, earlier about her uh, being the team shaman, (laughs) in so far as as shamans in, you know, various different cultures around the world are people whose job it is to communicate with spirits um and in an animistic sense where they will personify things in the environment and then help people interact with them um you know in 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 such a way that is conducive to you know um whatever needs to get done um and she certainly does that i feel like she's almost like a chaplain as well uh but not like a a weird you know, modern sense of the word. She's, she, she connect, she, she's the connection to something a little bit deeper, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah, to say. You know absolutely. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I had um, kind of a similar experience in a way, but it's very, um, mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed the Cassie books starting with the next one, but historically this has always felt like one of her weaker pieces to me and going through it slowly mm-hmm. like this, I think has given me a really new perspective on it because it's, the next, the next one is Cassie to Butterfly, right? Uh, no, the next one is Cassie to Wolf. That'll be book 14. Oh, okay. Well, she was Cassie to Wolf. Because <laughs> I, I, I remember Cassie to Butterfly, and that's a really good one. That one is, is um, 
I think one of the ones where the show, like the 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 series, really comes into itself as far as uh, what it's trying to do. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's a super important book, but that's apparently not going to come for a while because we have. Yeah, we've got at least uh, two more Cassie go rounds before, before we that. get to. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for that one. Uh, so yeah, Vivian, what did you think? I, I think it's still a case of like similar to like yeah I think like the fiber we get with Cassie books that I might grow more on her it's just because like I I feel like just her hesitation at every step of the way to actually like make decisions mm-hmm. kind of like I mean I still feel like the Tobias book so far is still the best one because mm-hmm. Tobias actually has like introspection on a level that the kids really don't I mean Cassie gets a little bit there of just not being all that comfortable with you know morphing more intelligent animals. But it's and still or, a case of... Or with violence. Yeah, or with violence. But it's like, yeah, I'm sure that, like, as time goes on, maybe, like, that part of Cassie of, like, being hesitant to actually make decisions for the group might pass. Yeah. But who can say? Mm-hmm. No, I, I still... and I don't, think, I don't think she's ever going to become a, like, what you would call a leader. Yeah, I like, think not, that... not like the Jake equivalent or anything. Yeah, she does what she needs to do and... She's a she plays a very important role in the group as things get a whole lot morally gray, um, mm-hmm. and as as things get, uh, she's the anti Rachel, which is weird because Rachel is her best friend. But <laughs> if we're gonna have a Rachel who's gonna be egging people on to do the violence, we need to have a Cassie who is reminding people that the violence is wrong, even if yeah. it's necessary. It's still a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of, like... Unfortunately, I feel like I put this one at three of the four we've read so far. Just because mm-hmm. it's, like... I mean, the first one still just, just like, comes out of the gate just swinging. Because, <laughs> I mean, it kind of think... has to in order to get your attention. But also, I, again, I, I always think back to the fact that it's, like, yeah, there's just, like... Well, not on screen, but there's equivalent of on screen for, like, five chapters in where it's, like, that's still a hell of a way to start your ch- kid series. <laughs> I put it at two. I still think that... Uh, Tobias's book is better, <laughs> but I yeah. think that this is a close second, and then I would put one third and two dead last. Yeah, like yeah, we're we're in basically agreement that the Rachel book so far has been the weakest, just it's because weakest that entire one. that entire book is just oh we fucked up this one mission, let's just do it again and fuck it up the same way. Although no, it went bad <laughs> both times. Right. Ra- <laughs> Rachel will get some some good books in the future. Oh yeah, so don't worry about yeah. her. Yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, my favorite yeah, I, one is I, the one that's Rachel to Starfish. Which you keep bringing up, but I'm still incredibly curious why she has to be a starfish. Well, like, it's important. That's like the least. That's the least interesting part of the book. It absolutely is. Yeah, but still, but still, it, of all the sea creatures, you had to morph at one point. Why a starfish? It's honestly yeah, on know. roughly the actually... same importance as Cassie to water buffalo. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember why she morphs starfish. Simply because that is the impetus for the plot to happen, and is not the point of the book. Like I could tell you it's if like... you want. It's so minor that it's not even really a spoiler. <laughs> What what is it? Why does she morph more starfish? Uh, so they're at the beach, and she drops an earring in a tide pool, and she says, "Oh well, I should turn into a starfish and see if I could find that earring that I dropped in the tide pool." <laughs> <laughs> is that the actual reason? Yep. Oh yeah. boy. <laughs> uh, and then the whole book follows from what happens after she makes the decision to morph the starfish, and it is wild. It really, really, really is. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's also one of the better uh, characterization books for for Rachel. It really like lets us examine examine her character in in, in detail. Yep. Uh, I'm now just looking at this cover of the secret that you posted. How come it looks like the wolf's head is like photoshopped onto the rest of the wolf? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's because there's it a has, hole like, in that the cover. It has like a Oh, oh there, yeah. I, I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah, I forgot that those there, did have that. Because it looks like it has like a like a wire line around its neck. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. the Forget hole in the cover. What you're, see- what you're seeing in the wolf's head is actually the inside page. Like gotcha. That's, that's, page, that's why, that's that's why like it looks... From the book. Yeah, that's why it looks yeah. distinctly different than the rest of the wolf on the cover. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and... Yeah, I, I... Our next book will be a Marco book. It will, yeah. Next week we'll be here to start The Predator. Yes. Which is uh, which... not Alien versus Predator, even though it should be. <laughs> yeah, the Predators fucking show up and they're like, hey, you want to hunt these Yerks? They're like, real good prey. And the Predators are like, yes, we will. Like, honestly, uh, even I, if you I... didn't, with, without the weaponry or anything, a Yejuda probably would be a pretty good morph, though. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, what happens if uh, a predator gets yerked? Um, I don't know. Probably pretty bad shit. I feel like the predators would be a great species for the yerks to yerk. I think uh, they would have protocols against that. Like, half their thing is hunting xenomorphs. They have to know when somebody is infested by a parasite. <laughs> there there are species later true. on that actually modify themselves to make it impossible for yerks to infest them. Um, I would expect a predator might do that, too. But maybe, uh, yeah. But it does not involve the predators. Instead, uh, we're gonna get, um, you know, something completely different. Yeah. Also, I don't understand why the book is called The Predator. I don't think it has anything to do with uh, it. There is a very specific reason it's called that, and it is kind of a bad metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, um, so... I'm excited because now we're going to get to see what goes on inside of Marco's head. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really the draw of the next book, is finally getting a look yeah, behind Marco's what, mask. What actually makes this boy tick? <laughs> yes, what, what actually is it that drives the sarcastic, sardonic, uh, insufferable plot <laughs> that, <laughs> that we've seen so far? Yeah, um, so as of the end of this book, uh, Visser 3 is still leading the kill count with 8.5. I only counted, I gave Cassie two, because she killed that taxon and presumably the yerk that was inside it. Oh yeah, mm. that guy's fucked. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. we didn't have any advancements in the kill count, so Cassie has now moved yeah, up, like she him. is no longer tied for second to last, but other than that, nothing has changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, we, we get, like, the implication that multiple of the kid actually did get kills, which is why the taxons fled, but we didn't get any confirmation of who killed who. specific, like, yes. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get specific yeah. like on screen. Yeah, it, there wasn't that, like a so. line of like, and then I also saw Axe definitely just chomp through one mm-hmm. of these fuckers or anything. Yeah, there were a dozen taxons there, but we don't know who got any of them, so I can't add that to the count. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah, you want to yeah. start an undefined pool. <laughs> um, I feel like we could probably safely give each of the kids one or two. Like at, two at the each least, the Axe probably here, gets but... one there because he's a shark. <laughs> Right. I, I feel like we could safely give everyone two, but because I feel like at, I think it's safe to assume at least everyone killed the taxon there. But okay. Yeah. It's, like I said, I especially Axe. Fair enough. Okay, so I'll yeah, add two to everybody's tally then. 
Except for Tobias and Visser 3. Yeah. Anytime we get, like, they had a fight, and there was some things that definitely died, I feel like we should just give that to all of them, because if there's enough, if there's enough to go around, Yeah, you know that's I mean? fair. Mm -hmm. I, I like that um, strategy, yeah. Yeah. There's plenty uh, of murder to go around. Okay, well... So, where's our thermal count? Thermal count, there were three in I this book. One. There were only three. Oh, there were three? There was one in this week's chapters. There were three in the book total. Uh, that brings us to and a total was, of this, 28. <laughs> this this is, by the way, a book in which they spend a lot of time underwater. And I feel like in books where they spend a lot of time underwater, there will not be as many thermals. Yeah. But, but there were still three. There were still <laughs> yeah, three. Yeah, we still had that moment where Cassie is resigning herself to death, thinking about thermals. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, the good old days of riding the thermals with Tobias, yep. who's <laughs> fucked and stuck as a bird. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Um, and of course, they don't call so the prince count is set at one. So. One. <laughs> and it will go up. It will not be as high as the thermal no. count, but it will go it, up. Yeah. We're, we're looking at, uh, this is book four, so I'm thinking we're probably looking at 61 of those, just a guess. Okay. Yeah, I'd say that's a, probably a good estimate. Like roughly um, one a book. Yep. This, is like, this is like one of those things where you kind of guess the number of beans in a jar. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. But, and you're uh, always just so fucking far off, because either you're way under, you're way mm -hmm. over. Um... So our next book is The Predator. Marco Marco narrates it. Cover is Marco de Gorilla. And the tagline is, What you see isn't always what you get. And actually, no spoilers, I think that's actually a good tagline for this yeah. one. I think that actually makes sense for this book, which is the, which is the first. <laughs> like, yeah, it is generically Animorph, but also considering what happens in the book. <laughs> yeah. No. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I I think it's fair. I think that that is apropos. You are absolutely correct. And for folks who are curious, uh, you'll be able to join us next week to find it. So yes. I think for the moment, at least, we're pretty much wrapped. Yeah. Any any other last comments? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think we're good. Sounds good. Then there's nothing left to say, but remember... Zero did nothing wrong, even if you can't talk about him yet. <laughs> Listen, despite what Axe is going to say later, Zero did nothing wrong. I don't know, I'm kind of more inclined to believe Axe that Zero did something wrong, but all I can do is believe y'all over a fictitious alien space deer. Listen, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> he he is a kid. Axe is a teenager and therefore is also an idiot just like these kids. Yeah. Yeah. A teenager who has already been established as not paying attention to things that happen around him. <laughs> yep. Uh, cool. We have this one guy who might have actually have, have a source of information about the Yurks more than these kids do, and also how the end lights function, and he just does not give a fuck regardless. <laughs> yep, that's true. Um, anyway, Sarah did nothing wrong. Bye!